What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of B-Shafe Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, coming to you live. I guess it won't be live by the time you listen to it, but it's Monday, February 15th, and we're talking some Cardinals baseball with spring training just about a week away as the Cardinals are set for full squad workouts, their first full squad workout on February 22nd, one week from today. So they'll actually be there a little bit before that. We won't be as media folks getting the opportunity to watch anything going on, but hopefully by that 22nd date, I will be down in Jupiter, Florida, because if I'm not, I don't know how I'm going to continue to deal with this Missouri weather the snow shoveling, the snow blowing, clearing off the sidewalks, all that good stuff today as it's zero degrees outside and we're getting, I, I, I guess by the time it's all said and done, maybe 10 or more inches of snow in the St. Louis area. So not my favorite thing. I, I definitely much prefer the weather down in Florida. So hoping I can get down there. Going to bring my disc golf gear, get outside. I'm afraid to go outside as it is right now in Missouri, but when I get down to Florida, hopefully that will be a change of pace, just what I'm looking for. But for now, we're going to talk about some pre-spring training Cardinals conversations as we don't have anything on the field just yet to discuss. But on Twitter, the conversation recently, this has been a couple of days now, and and this is what I wanted to talk about on the next show. I, I know I said late last week that we would go into maybe a starting rotation episode next, and we'll probably have one of those sometime this week. But before we get to that, I want to talk a little more about this outfield situation for the Cardinals because over the weekend there was a tweet by baseball writer Mike Petriello. He's he's one of the guys that's big into uh, the StatCast and writes a lot about the advanced analytics in his articles. And he sent a tweet out that favored a one-year deal for Brett Gardner from the St. Louis Cardinals. Outfielder, longtime outfielder for the New York Yankees. Gardner has... Been with New York as a big leaguer since 2008. In 2021 will be his age 37 season. And he'll actually turn 28 toward the end of the year in August. His numbers, to me, all time, nothing really to write home about offensively. But he's played good defense. Former Gold Glove winner. He's got one of those to his credit. And he's got an all-star appearance to his credit. But if you look across the board at the numbers offensively, pretty consistent guy, lifetime average of 259, OBP of 343 with a 401 slug, OPS coming in right around 743. And you look throughout his career, and he's pretty much been relatively close to that mark most of the years that he's been a big leaguer with New York. Going back as far as 2013, he goes 759, 749, 742, then 713, but then up to 778. Kind of the model of consistency, but had a lower year in 2018 with a 690 OPS. Wasn't because he was you know injured, didn't play much. He played pretty much a full season that year, but he hit just 236 and had an OBP of two, uh, 322. So that 322 on base, uh, the lowest of his career since his rookie season when he did not play a full season. So kind of feel like, all right, maybe, you know, his skills are beginning to decline. But then in 2019, Gardner goes 829 OPS, career high. Has the best year of his career as a 36-year-old 
at the plate. Hit 251. So not, you know, outside the norm of his career averages. The 325 OBP, lower than most of the years of his career, but had a 503 slug on the strength of a career-high 28 home runs. And to me, when people are talking about Brett Gardner for the 2021 St. Louis Cardinals, they must really be putting a lot of stock into that because that's the one year that he's done that. It's only two years of his career has he hit 20 home runs. He had 21 back in 17. Otherwise, he's never been a home run guy. Had a few in the teens, but mostly single digits. And then exploded for 28 home runs in 2019, a year where we've been, we were talking about Major League Baseball or the ball's juiced. Why are all these home runs happening? And he goes for a career-high slugging percentage on his way to a career year offensively. 2020 happens. Again, we want to caution against looking too much into numbers from a, uh, from that season for anybody, really. Um, especially if the numbers are negative. I think we we should give the benefit of the doubt a little bit if a guy has a horrible season and that's totally outside the bounds of what he's used to. Like, that applies to Nolan Arenado. It applies to Josh Bell. There are several stars of baseball who had down years last year I don't think that necessarily means their career is over. There was a lot going on last year. It was difficult circumstances. I'm willing to give guys a pass. But in the case of Brett Gardner, when I see OPS 747, uh, his OBP was up compared to the last few years, 354. And so people are looking, I think, at that 354 on base from last year and the 28 homers he hit in 2019 when he really didn't get on base quite at that level and saying, man, Brett Gardner... Add in some quality defense from a corner outfield position, and Brett Gardner would be a great leadoff hitter. That's what I've seen a lot of people say. And to me, if you think Brett Gardner would have been a great leadoff hitter, I could say, well, Dexter Fowler would have been a great leadoff hitter then. I don't think Dexter would have been a great leadoff hitter. I think he would have been a serviceable leadoff hitter if he hadn't been traded to the Angels, paid to go play there based on the fact that he wasn't probably going to get as much playing time in 2021. The Cardinals were looking to, with Dylan Carlson finally having arrived, and you've got some of these other guys that we have and will continue to talk about on this roster. The prospects of unlimited playing time for Dexter Fowler were not very high, and I think both sides saw it makes sense for a move to happen, and they got it done. But given that the Cardinals traded away a veteran that could have had, you know, we talked about his production last year. It was 780 as far as the OPS before he had to go on the injured list, went home two weeks of no baseball activity, came back the last week of the season, which contained like nine or 10 games. He played, didn't hit, and it tanked his numbers for the, for the whole campaign. Went to 706 for his OPS. So instead of being an above average offensive contributor, he by the end of the year, he was below average, but it was basically because he was above average all year and then had a really, really bad week at the end. And so if the Cardinals had a guy like that and they decided it was time to move on from him and let the younger kids play, I don't understand how Brett Gardner is is who people think is going to be the fit to add from the outside to this Cardinals outfield matrix because... Look, I said at the beginning of the offseason, if you're going to go get a guy like Eddie Rosario, if you're going to sign Kyle Schwarber because you want Thump in the middle of the lineup and you're not as concerned 
about defense because you pretty much are going to have good defense everywhere else across the diamond. If you're going to do that, if you're going to go after David Dahl, because we talked about him, he was a guy that I liked as a bounce-back candidate because a former highly-rated prospect has had injuries, hasn't performed exceptionally well, hasn't been able to stay on the field, really. But he was a guy that I said, if they get that guy, I'm okay with it because I think he's got some juice and he might be able to do something. And he's still pretty young. He's like 26, 27. So if you get one of those guys, Schwarber, Rosario included within that, you get one of them, they can be part of your core for years to come if you sign him to a four- or five-year contract. Uh, maybe after a little bit of a, a, a testing period this year, like you, these guys were non-tendered, you can sign somebody to a one- or two-year deal and then see where it goes. I thought that would have made some sense. Uh, clearly saw that with Fowler in the fold and all these other guys, somebody was going to have to be traded away. But now that the Fowler thing has happened, you can look back and say, oh, well, if they had gotten a guy that was an obvious upgrade over what they had, then I, I would I would go for that idea. I would say that's a good thing. I don't think Brett Gardner is that guy. And people did not like that I said this on Twitter, and I spent a lot of time on Saturday, I think it was, kind of going back and forth. And I did some hyperbole, as I'm wont to do, uh, which later on I'm looking and I go, yeah, you know, some of what I said is not exactly factual because I basically said Fowler and Gardner are the same player. And if you look at the fact that Dexter Fowler has not had an 829 OPS in recent years like Gardner did, you know, he did compile that number in the last full season that that MLB has played, which was 2019. And then you could say, well, under that, guys, if, you know, we're going to say 2020 stats don't really get held against a guy, then maybe Brett Gardner is an 829 OPS hitter. That's who he is. He's going to slug 500. I, but I just don't think there's any way that happens. I think it was a fluke of a year based on the baseballs being juiced. Uh, MLB is working on for 2021, changing that a little bit. So I don't think you're going to see quite the level of home runs that you have in recent years. Gardner wasn't anything special. Played all of last season, uh, 49 games. So basically a full slate when you consider they only played 60. Uh, but hit 223. And I know batting average is not the end-all be-all when it comes to uh, plate production, even from a leadoff hitter, it doesn't have you don't have to have a huge batting average if you're getting on base. And he did that last year, 354. But I just don't understand. And people say, well, he's a left-handed batter. Well, yeah, I mean, but Dexter Fowler would bat switch hitter, so he was a left-handed batter too. I just don't think that a 37 going on 38 year old outfielder is the direction the Cardinals need to go with this outfield over some of the internal options that they have. And I'm not saying that as an implication that the internal options they have are going to perform, all of them are going to be better than Brett Gardner in 2021, because I don't I, I don't even think that's the case. I'm not claiming it, and I don't think it. If you ask me, I say no. Gardner will outperform some of these guys, almost certainly. If he's able to get on in, in a good location, or he goes back to the Yankees and he gets decent playing time, he'll probably be what he's been his entire career, which is, you know, 260 hitter, he'll OBP 340, and he'll slug around 400. And that's going to be a 740 OPS, give or take. And that's perfectly fine, especially if you're looking for a guy that can bat leadoff ahead of some of these big sluggers like Arenado and Goldschmidt that the Cardinals now are hoping to have in the fold for this year, hoping those guys can, can do some damage. So it makes sense to want a guy who's got a proclivity to get on base ahead of those guys. But I think where you lose me is the fact that that would be a one-year decision. And I recognize that you've got Wayno and you've got Yachty and you've got the pieces in place 
with veterans on this team to try to go for it and win now. But I don't know that what Brett Gardner is likely to give you, what I consider him likely to give you, which is what I just noted in that 740 OPS range, while it's probably better than a couple of the guys they're going to give playing time to, like, is the upside for O'Neal 740 or more? Yeah, he could beat that, but he didn't do it last year. He was in the 600s last year. So there's no guarantee that Tyler O'Neill is going to do that in 21. Lane Thomas, same thing. He could do better. He doesn't have the body of work to show that he's going to, though, and so wait and see. Justin Williams is a total unknown, hasn't really gotten any big league at-bats yet, save for a couple, like a cup of, cup of coffee that he got last year. So those are guys that certainly could end up being worse than Brett Gardner, and at the end of the day, you might say, man, if they'd had Brett Gardner, they'd have won a couple more games, but instead they gave playing time to these three who all ended up not on the roster in 12, 12 calendar months. You know, that's a possibility. But I think finding out and being able to go through that process of in April, in May, in June, having playing time to offer to these guys, Harrison Bader and Dylan Carlson included in that, having the ability to offer that playing time and then find out what all these guys are, or at least have a more informed decision when you do have to make it, whether it's at the trade deadline or this next coming off season, about some of these guys who are out of options or they're going to start to enter arbitration, like Bader's already into arbitration. They like Harrison Bader. I'm not saying the reckoning is coming for him, but he's making $2 million this year, and if the performance doesn't dictate a hefty raise on top of that, who knows where we'll be in 12 months. So that's where you're at with this outfield right now, and the whole benefit to me, once you, you sink your teeth into the Dexter Fowler trade, is the fact that all these guys are on an even playing field right now. Nobody has higher standing than anyone else with the exception of perhaps Dylan Carlson because of the prospect status. And I say Harrison Bader has an edge in center field because he's kind of the incumbent in that spot. I wouldn't even say, and he performed last year, mind you. OPS of 779, perfectly capable, one of the higher numbers on the Cardinals last year. So it's not like he had a horrible season. Tyler O'Neill hit seven homers tied for the team lead, but his his the rest of his numbers were not up to snuff. And he would agree with that, I'm sure. He would tell you, I need to have a better batting average than 173. I need to get on base better than 261. And I'm Tyler O'Neill. I'm a power hitter. I can't slug 360. I cannot be one thousandth of a percentage point above Yadier Molina in slugging percentage. That's not going to fly. And so when you look at those numbers from O'Neill last year, no, I don't consider him an incumbent despite the fact that he won a gold glove. He's playing left field doing that. You can't hit like he hit in left field and, and be considered the starter and locked into a spot. When you've got guys like Lane Thomas, who played bad last year, but did have COVID, and they expect a lot more out of him this year. And then you've got Justin Williams, who we've talked about how he's never really had a full spring training when he's healthy because 2019 he had the broken hand and 2020 got cut short by COVID. So, you know, a guy like him out of options, they're going to have to make some decisions about this outfield. Brett Gardner, fine player, but you know, his floor. And in my opinion, you know, his ceiling, his ceiling is not going to replicate itself with an 829 OPS and 28 home runs as a power hitting slugger that he was two years ago. I just don't think that's going to be, what happens? Now, if you're talking about getting a player who has that kind of track record year after year, he's done it multiple times. 
he's a little younger, so you can potentially include him in your future. You're not just giving playing time to essentially a lame duck because you're you're wanting to sell out for going for it all this year. That's fine. That's a different story. I think Rosario could have been that guy. I think Kyle Schwarber, if you look past his down 2020 season, you could make an argument that he's closer to being that guy. He's been an impactful hitter in the past. Gardner has had an impact offensively, but it hasn't been quite to that extent. A lot of his game predicated upon defense, and if you're if you're going to ride defense toward wins above replacement, that's okay, but you can do that with Tyler O'Neill. And I recognize that Brett Gardner offers a, a more stable floor as far as on-base percentage is concerned and a more stable floor overall, but I think Nolan Arenado also has a pretty good floor. I think Tommy Edmonds should bring a pretty good floor. I think if Paul DeYoung didn't hit his floor last year, he's probably not your shortstop for very much longer. And and I think he did hit his floor, and he's going to continue to, if he doesn't find his ceiling, he'll at least find that median level of production that he's hopefully going to settle into in 2021. So you've got on that infield guys that, man, I don't think they're going to be any worse than they were last year as a, as a unit for sure. And so in the outfield, go ahead and chase that upside. That's okay. You had Dexter Fowler in that kind of floor roll corner outfielder last year, then it's fine. But you but you moved on from that. You're looking you're looking in a different direction right now, and I'm okay with it. The Cardinals to me do not have to get desperate and say, "Well, because we don't have a lot of experience in the outfield, we've got to go get somebody." No, I think that only to borrow a term from John Mozeliak that people didn't like the way he phrased this a couple of years ago. That only complicates things. And I'm okay with complicating things when you're adding somebody that I that I think could be a bonafide star for you or at least makes a lot of sense. I don't know that Brett Gardner makes a lot of sense. I get that there's an argument to be made talking about him being a left-handed hitter. He does hit righties pretty well. And so if you trusted your manager to use him in that way, never face a lefty, I could see that in any other year. But for me, for where the Cardinals are at right now, I don't even think the benefit of saying, yes, we're bringing in a Brett Gardner to just face right-handed pitching, never any lefties. Look, if you're facing right-handed pitching, you're probably playing more often than you aren't because there are more righties than lefties on the mound. You just are generally going to see more right-handed pitchers. And I, as as much as I think Brett Gardner could certainly, if you only threw him out there against righties, could go 760, 770 OPS and be really solid. Like, it's possible, but I don't think that the percentage chance of that happening is worth going through the possibility again of having to get rid of players that you don't know yet whether or not they can compete at this level. And you don't want to do that again. You don't want to have the Randy or Rosarena situation happen again. And if you're going to allow for that possibility because you bring in an outfielder, which means you got to dump somebody else, like that, that, that'll happen before the end of spring training. Like if you bring in Brett Gardner, there's an uh, there's another outfielder on the forty man who is gone before the season begins because I I just don't know how you can how you can keep them all unless they really expand rosters to like twenty eight or thirty guys, which I don't think is going to happen. So, and I'm not talking about Austin Dean. I think Austin Dean's going to have kind of the role that he's going to have, but like Justin Williams, you could potentially have to get rid of a Justin Williams before you ever really find out if he's any good, which maybe he's not. But they certainly liked him enough to trade for him when they gave up Tommy Pham. 
So given that there have been some extenuating circumstances that have prevented you from being able to find out what he is to this point, now is the time to go ahead and find out what he is. You know what Brett Gardner is. He's a fine player. He's going to give you league average, maybe a little bit better than league average. He'll be one or two wins above replacement, maybe a little bit more. He was 3.6 in 2019, but that was because he hit 28 home runs. He's not going to do that again. And so if you're getting a guy who's an incremental upgrade, that's been the, the phrase that the Cardinals have used in recent years to describe how they want to be able to attack this roster. Hasn't always panned out that they've been able to find those upgrades, but the, the good thing about an incre- uh, at least a shot at an incremental upgrade is that you're not probably spending all that much to acquire it. But you know what? They didn't go for incremental this offseason. They went for Nolan Arenado, and they got him. They went big, and they got him. So go ahead and lean into that, is what I would say. Find a way in this outfield to maybe give every opportunity at playing time to Lane Thomas, every opportunity to Tyler O'Neill. That's where the reckoning is coming for this outfield. It's not Carlson. I don't think it's Bader, though it could happen if he has offensive struggles like he did in 2019. But it's Lane Thomas, it's Tyler O'Neill, and it's trying to find out about Justin Williams. In, in, the, in the tweet conversation I had with Petrello, he talked about, well, you know, Carlson and Bader's still young guys. These guys are going to get time. It's not about those guys getting time. That's not really the guys that, and, and to use the phrase worried about, wouldn't even be accurate to describe it because I'm not worried about them finding any time for these guys. Like, they can do what they want. It's not going to be any skin off my back. But I think if you're the Cardinals, you should be prioritizing getting a look at all three of those in 2021. And if Brett Gardner is playing, you know, 60% of the starts or 50% of the starts, whatever it is, that's going to totally box out one of those guys. It might be Lane Thomas. It might be Justin Williams. And it might be Tyler O'Neill. Probably not because he's he's got a little bit more equity built up. And if you're okay with doing that, I don't disagree with you. You know, you can, they like, think about it like this. Um, Adalas Garcia, Jose Adalas Garcia. They got rid of him, and he's since been DFA'd by whatever team he was on. I think he went to the Rangers, and then this offseason, he's changing teams again. He hasn't panned out. He was another guy in that Memphis group that was blowing it up at AAA. He was doing really well. Same time as Orozarena. Same time as Lane Thomas was playing well. But, you know, he hasn't panned out. He's Maybe he's just not that major league player. Okay, these other guys might not be either. And if you're okay with, you know, if you're confident enough to say these guys aren't, I don't need to see them to know that, that's okay. You can make that decision and say, yeah, I would rather have Brett Gardner. You can totally trade away any of these guys from this group, not get anything back for them, and that's okay with me. But I am of the opinion that better be safe than sorry. You can afford, because of the upgrades you've made elsewhere on the roster with adding Arenado, I think you can afford to go into this season with a little bit of uncertainty in the outfield. That's okay. Because we, we can't talk about Harrison Bader like he's a fresh-faced rookie. I mean, he's into arbitration right now. He's already reached that point this year, having had three years of MLB service time. So you kind of know what you're going to get from him in the outfield. You might not know day-to-day, game-to-game, what you're going to get from Bader. But for the season, he's going to be a decent enough hitter, close to league average, probably a little bit below. He was a little bit above last year. He was below the year before that, right around league average to slightly above as a rookie in 2018. So you kind of know what you're going to get from him. You're going to get great defense. 
He's going to be a bottom-of-the-order guy. He's not going to be someone that you're relying upon in the heart of the order, but you can live with that out of your center fielder. You can't live with it from the corners, and so O'Neal's going to have to produce. You know you're going to get good defense from him, but you're going to have to have him produce, or you're going to have to find somebody else on a regular basis who will, and I think it's going to be more of an even competition between some of these guys in spring. Like in spring, they're going to get all the playing time that they can hope for, and I think the the ordering, the shuffle of the rankings here in this outfield group will change a little bit. They'll be determined by what happens in spring. But you know what you're getting from Bader? You know that Carlson is going to have every chance to take hold of an everyday job, whether it's in left field or right field, because he's the kind of guy they think he's got that pedigree. He could potentially be a middle-of-the-order bat for this team for the next decade. So they're going to give him the chance to be that. Elsewhere, let's find out what you have in these guys. You know what Brett Gardner would be. If you don't agree with my premise that he's basically Dexter Fowler, which Dexter Fowler didn't hit those 28 home runs in 2019, so I get it. Wasn't exactly apt of a comparison. But I stand by the fact that I think they're probably pretty similar players. That was a fluke that Brett Gardner had. You look at their OPSs, their on-base percentages, their batting averages. They're pretty much across the board very similar players for their careers. Dexter might even have, career-wise, better numbers offensively than Brett Gardner. Gardner's going to bring you better defense. Doesn't really mean a whole lot to me because I think the guys they already have on the roster are young, athletic, and they play good defense. So, kind of wanted to get into this Brett Gardner thing today. I know I spent a whole podcast on it, and maybe you're like, yeah, they're not going to sign him anyway. I didn't care if they signed him anyway. You wasted an episode. If I did that, apologize, but... I did kind of want to dive into it because it goes more into, like it's not as much about Brett Gardner as it is what's the Cardinals' organizational philosophy regarding this outfield coming into 2021. I think, and I could be proven wrong, if they go sign Brett Gardner or they they sign somebody of his ilk, like they signed Matt Caesar to a minor league contract, that didn't even tweet about it because it doesn't mean anything. It's not relevant to the conversation we're talking about with are they going to spend money on adding a guy to a major league deal, even if it's just a one-year deal, are they going to give $4 million, $5 million, $6, 7000000 million out to one player? Because if they do that, that means we're planning to actually use you. You're, we're not going to you know, see a major league contract offered to anybody that they're not going to have as part of their plans. Caesar, that's a flyer. That's a different story. But if you're talking about a major league contract for Brett Gardner or a similar player of his caliber and age... I don't think that fits in with the organizational philosophy that the Cardinals, A, I'm going to say, are looking to employ, and B, if I'm wrong about that, it's at least the one, in my opinion, that they should be looking to employ. Lane Thomas could be that guy. Would it shock me if he had a 340 OPS, or pardon me, a 340, that would be pretty bad. If he had a 340 on-base percentage, Okay, if he could be that, and if, if that's what satisfies you from Brett Gardner because that's what he's been his whole career, then go ahead. Bet that guy lead off. Can Tommy Edmond have a 340 op- uh, on-base percentage? He he did it in his rookie year when he was 350. The same year Brett Gardner was hitting all those home runs, Tommy Edmond was going for an OBP of 350 with a 500 slug. So he could be your leadoff hitter if he can get back to that kind of player. I'm going to bet on Tommy Edmond being able to replicate more than I am 37 going on 38-year-old Brett Gardner being able to replicate. So to me, it's not worth, the juice is not worth the squeeze on this one. And that applies to anybody else who you think is going to come in and has consistently performed 
as a 750, 760 OPS guy throughout his career, and he's you know in his mid to late 30s, I, I say the Cardinals should pass on that kind of player. They should see what they have. And if by June or July it's clear that none of the, the in-house guys, you don't have three of them, you know, there's a group of five, and then you can count Austin Dean as number six, and even Tommy Edmond, provided Matt Carpenter has a, a resurgence, which he may not. But if he were to, then suddenly Edmond is available to be an outfielder with Carpenter playing second. So you've got all those guys. If you can't find three everyday starters from that group and assuming that Carlson and Bader could lock down two of those spots. If you can't find three, so be it. Find one at the trade deadline. You've got money coming off the books after 2021. You can trade for a contract if you need to. You can trade for a 28-year-old outfielder instead of signing a 38-year-old outfielder, which will prevent you from being able to find more out about the guys that you have so that you can eventually clear this glut of outfielders who may not be able to perform. But don't you want to find that out first? Like, if they're no good, that's okay they won't be on the team next year. And then you can bring in free agents or you can make trades for younger players that can fill out your outfield the way you'd like to see it filled when you've got more payroll flexibility to do it, but you've already found out that the guys that you have don't work in that role. That's what I think they should do this year. Brett Gardner, that wouldn't be what that is. So we'll see what ends up happening with uh, as far as the outfield goes if they bring in an actual veteran on a contract on a big league deal or if they go with the younger guys, which... Based on all indications that I'm reading from the Cardinals, if I'm reading tea leaves, they're going to go younger. They're not going to try to to add somebody on a guaranteed deal and potentially prevent their own ability to find out more about the players that they already have. The guys that they've already invested in, they've made trades for, they've drafted, they've signed, they've got these guys. They might as well see if any of them can be the long-term answers. And once they find out that they cannot, if they cannot, so be it, they'll be able to attack at that point in time. That's all I've got for today. Wanted to really dive into not just Brett Gardner, but it's the entire Cardinals outfield situation, right? Going to be interesting to see the way they approach it in 2021. And we're just about a week away, once again, from spring training. So when we get out there, I think that's where the competition will begin as these guys will get on the backfields. They'll be preparing. They'll try to take advantage of their reps. And then they'll get into games and be able to show what they can do as the Cardinals 2021 outfield starts to take shape. I appreciate you guys for joining me for this episode of B-Shape Daily. Make sure to hit the subscribe button no matter where you're listening, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, wherever you are, hit the, the subscribe button so that you can be along for the ride throughout the season. Barring any new news overnight, tomorrow's episode will we'll dive into the Cardinals starting rotation as it stands ahead of spring training and see where we think it has a chance to go throughout this season. Appreciate you guys once again for joining me and we will talk to you tomorrow.